Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Well, I don't know how this plane's going to land today, Russ. No, it's we just got um, a couple wheels taken off this. <laughs> it's it's kind of like flying without one wing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're missing both Jonathan and Phil in the studio today, so if we will totally understand if you want to turn the station. Uh, <laughs> all, all of our wisdom left the room. <laughs> so we'll, Just the kids are here today. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you'll have to put up with us. So we've been talking about the 46th Psalm um, in light of this global – pandemic and kind of just to catch you up where we've been this is the worst case scenario psalm um calvin said that this is the psalm that was written when all the world was turned upside down russ do you want to give us just a little bit of background and maybe kind of read where we've been uh so verses one through three god is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble so the psalmist is acknowledging right out of the chute that trouble's going to come um and then he says just how how serious is that that's going to be in verses 2 and 3? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So all of this imagery of, of the chaos that is in the life of the psalmist, um, the very strong, sure things that uh, mountains, whether, you know, just think physically what they're like, but just what they represent throughout Scripture of of, of the nations and, and all these things that are so permanent. And they're saying that's going to be removed. And even the nations or the mountains themselves are going to be trembling they're, they're because of the chaos. And then he, starting in verse 4, enters into a new section. It says, There is a river <clears throat> whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And here it's, it's really emphasizing God's presence with his people. And here it's using the language of Jerusalem, um, which will symbolize the same thing, which is the church of today. Yep. And so it goes on, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So that's kind of where we've been. We're just starting to um, fully work with verses 4 through 7, um, but it's really kind of a continuous argument. Um, so hopefully that gets you caught up if you've missed our earlier episodes. Yeah. So Luther, uh, Martin Luther would say uh, in the darkest times that he faced, come, let us sing the 46th psalm together and let them do their worst. It was this psalm that he wrote, a mighty fortress is our God from. And of course, Luther faced the darkest of times during the Reformation. Uh, he was excommunicated from the church. He was uh, always, uh, he had a death threat against him. He faced plague. And so he understood how much comfort this particular psalm brought to the church. Now, I would suggest, I think Russ would suggest the same thing, that 
one of the reasons why this psalm is so comforting is because a dominant note in this psalm is the promise of God's presence. As mm-hmm. as Russ just read, uh, God is in the midst of her. The holy habitation is in the city of God. She shall not be moved. God is uh, with us. He's our fortress. And so I think in order to really capture the gravity of what uh, God is saying here in terms of his presence, we need to make some distinctions uh, between God's presence. And the reason why this is relevant, Brother Russ, uh, I was praying one time at church and I asked that the Lord's presence would be with us. And somebody came up to me afterwards and said, well, God is omnipresent. He's always with us. Why would you pray that? And I, I think that might just be, a, a, it's a good question, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's a lack of understanding that there is distinctions between God's presence. So could maybe you give us some distinctions uh, in how the scripture talks about God's presence? Yeah, and, and I would I would suggest that it, it's in the same way that when we talk about the presence of God with us, it's the same way we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the the child of God always has the Spirit, um, but oftentimes what the Scripture is talking about when it's saying be filled with the Spirit is not that sometimes you don't have it and sometimes you do, it's a greater sense of the God's working within, it's a, a greater reliance upon. Um, it's a great, sometimes there are moments in which we need a greater measure of mm-hmm. um, the work of God within our hearts and lives. And that's true with God's presence. Um, I just preached, I've been preaching through the book of Acts, and I just um, got to the section of the stoning of Stephen. Um, and right before he is going to be stoned, God opens up the heavens, is what the the, the text will, will say. And Stephen is allowed to see, the text will say, the glory of God and Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. Now, that reality is always true. The glory of God fills the heavens, and Jesus Christ is always reigning and ruling at his right hand. Now, by faith... We know this is true. By faith, we see that, but we don't often get to see a a visible um, sight of that reality. But at that moment, that's what Stephen, Christ's servant, needed. Yep. And so there was a sense in which God's presence was more real. Yep. It wasn't. Yep. But it was. It was a greater. The veil was taken, removed. That's right. And I think that's what we're talking about when we talk about God's presence. It's always there, but there are times of of a greater need for a, a knowledge of, a reassurance of. Um, God comes to his people in special ways, if you will. Um, I don't want to be mystical about this. I, I don't want to be goofy about it. But there is a sense in which there are moments where we need a greater um, filling uh, of God God's spirit to do the tasks that he has brought us to. There are deeper valleys that we're going to be asked to walk through. And in those deeper valleys, we need a greater sense of um, the presence of of God in our hearts and lives. That's right. So maybe one of the distinctions that the scripture makes is there's a distinction between God's omnipresence in his essence, in his being, Mm -hmm. and then his presence in his operations. That's right. So like, you know, Psalm 139, where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? He's very much talking about the essence of God, um, that it is everywhere. It's in the highest heavens, it's in the lowest house. But then when we're talking about God's operative presence, we know that, 
you know, for instance, Jesus said, um, where two or three are gathered, mm-hmm. there I am in your midst. What did he mean by that? Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously, he, he's not denying the fact that he's always with everybody, but he's saying in, in this, when the church is operating as the church, I'm there in a special sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Psalm here in 46, he's actually getting to even a deeper level. Um, in verse one, he says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Mm-hmm. So in trouble, that when the saint is in trouble, there's a special sense in which God is even more present. And that's kind of what you've been alluding yes. to, Russ. Yes. So can you maybe walk through some maybe some examples or or personal experiences or, or scriptures where you could we could prove this thesis out? Um, if you go back to even the verses that I read in the in end of Exodus two, um, God is is acknowledging that He sees His people. Well, then what does He do? He comes down, if you will, to come to Moses in the burning bush. His presence is um, more tangible. Now we're in Exodus three, where He is. I'm sorry, I I'm going back to a previous episode, and so I should back up. When we were talking earlier um, about these truths, I had quoted from Exodus 2 when when the people were in slavery and they cry out to God, and there's these very tender verses where God is saying, no, I haven't forgotten you. You're not alone. I, I've heard you. I see you. I remember my promises to you, and I know. I know what, what's going on, and I'm, 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 I haven't abandoned you. Mm-hmm. And then in Exodus three, then if you kind of keep moving in the in the the argumentation is God is saying, okay, I'm coming down, mm-hmm. and I'm going to meet with my servant Moses, and I'm going to send him to you, but I'm going to be with him. Yeah, I mean in, in that, and that's such a a, a moment of crisis really for mm-hmm. Moses because Moses was in the in the wilderness of Midian, and God tells him, well, you're going to go back to Pharaoh. And you can imagine the fear mm-hmm. that that uh, Moses had because Moses left because he had he'd killed this Egyptian guard. And now he's sending him back. And not only is he sending him back, but he's saying, I want you to speak to Moses, and this is what you're going to say to him. Mm-hmm. And the promise that God says to him, what do you, I mean, Russ, <laughs> what do you need at that point more than anything? I mean, right. what, what would give you the most assurance? If, if he simply said, well, I'll give you all the power and strength you need. Well, that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he actually says something more. That's right. He, he says, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that's really the, the theme over and over again throughout Scripture. So when they're going to go into the promised land um, and they're being asked to defeat all of these enemies that are there, what's the promise? But then I'm going to be with you. Mm-hmm. That's how the book of Joshua opens. That's how the book of Be Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Have I not told you these things, the cares of the Lord? Um, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. And that's really the theme that that permeates the scripture. Now, we could, we could go back and keep saying, well, God's always with his people. Why does he say it? Well, he says that because he wants his people to know and and be grounded in that reality that everywhere I go forth and every moment of my life, I do have, um, and the sense of our, our text here is the Lord of hosts really means the Lord of, of, of angel armies is the sense of what it's talking about here. 
that God is the one that is with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that's what the assurance of of Christ was to his, the church in the early chapters of Acts and the end of the Gospels is, don't worry, you're not going to be left alone. Yeah. You, you, you're still going to have my presence. And, and the idea is that we always have the, the spirit of Christ and we always have the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. And where God sends us, he, he is, is in a real sense with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there's so many examples that we could keep giving, but it's, it's really the idea. I mean, Moses in the, the wilderness, the people sin and, and, Moses, in essence, says, I don't want to go if you're not with us. Yeah. Yeah. What a remarkable statement. Yeah. Because here they are, were in the desert, and the promised land was a land filling with, uh, flowing with milk and honey, um, and it was lush, and it was green, and it was the complete opposite of what their circumstances were. They were in the dry, barren desert, and it, God's presence was so precious to Moses that he said, if, if you won't go up with us, if you won't lead us from here, don't. Don't make us go. We don't mm-hmm. want to go without you. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, um, you know, Jesus, his name, so we have about a minute left. This is where it ties into the gospel. Um, Jesus' name means Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. And brothers and sisters, you know, we're facing some, t- some tough times ahead of us. There's no doubt about it. These are just the beginnings. These are just the first fruits. How are you going to sustain yourself when your bank account goes dry, when you don't have any food in your fridge, what will sustain you? It's this knowledge of Christ that he promises to be with us, that he promises that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that he promises that he will be with us even to the end of the age, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we ought not to fear no evil for he is with us. And and really that is the heart of the psalm, that God's presence is what matters most. And that that's really where we're at in Psalm 46. That's where the psalmist was in Psalm 23. Well, we hope this has been edifying to you. Um, We hope that you'll continue to tune in. Please memorize Psalm 46. Meditate on it. Do what it says to Selah, to pause, to ponder on these things. And we hope to see you next time. 